Well, it's great to be here with you today. It's great to be worshiping with you. And uh, we are in a series, a series that is all about Jesus Christ and his greatness, the incomparable Christ, the incomparable Christ. And as we go to make much of our God, just know this, um, that's not really a fun thing for Satan and all of his minions to see happen. And uh, so as we spend this month making much of our Savior Jesus Christ, get ready to lean in. Get ready to make much of him in all that goes on, not just in this service as technology may go down, all over the place. Get ready for God to be able to be glorified in your life. Man, last week we looked at him as eternal king, eternal king. And uh, we got to anchor there. Every moment we go forward from here, we're going to have to get back and make sure we remember and understand that. It makes what we're talking about for the day so much more important, okay? And so last week, eternal king, what does that mean? It means that Jesus Christ, he is the word, capital W. He is the divine expression of God Almighty. He is the revealing out of God's thinking and God's passions of God's purposes and God's hopes. He is the expression of God into this world, into this physical world. But he's more than just some kind of divine expression. It says also he was with God and he was God. He is God Almighty. Jesus Christ is. Eternal King, God himself. We've got to grasp that. We're talking about the King of the universe, God of everything divine expression into this world, Jesus Christ, all right? And uh, that's who we're looking at. He's also not just the divine expression, but he spoke this creation physically into existence. By his spoken words, the word brought forth all that is around us. And uh, we looked at John chapter 1 last week as eternal king, and we walked through each of these pieces and the grandeur of Jesus Christ. Man, we have to grasp that he is it, the pinnacle. God himself come into this world. He spoke it into existence and then he entered into it an amazing plan. That's the God we're talking about. But he brought hope with him. John chapter one ends with believe in him, receive him. Man, Christmas is not just about a really cool time with family and some great gifts to give out. And it is fun for doing that, but it is a remembrance of the greatness of our God and his plan for you and for me. He loves you. He loves you with all he's got. And he's ready to rock our worlds with his greatness. Man, he is the eternal king. That said, when he came into this world, how would you have ushered him in? If you were the one making the decision to be like, all right, it's time for him to enter from stage left, and uh, what would your plan be? What would it look like? How much fanfare would he get? How much would you show him off and make much of him? What would you do so that Jesus Christ is lifted up? Most likely, we would make a decision quite the opposite of what God's plan was. And uh, we would go a very different direction. So today we're going to be looking at him as humble child. Humble child. The God of the universe, this eternal king, the one we're talking about, came as a humble baby. 
a child. And not just a child, but with a lot of things going on around it we'll look at today. So turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. And uh, we're going to look at him as humble child. How should I respond in this season to my Lord Jesus Christ? Number one, first point here. Believe the unbelievable. Believe the unbelievable. And uh, man, you hear the Christmas story, and maybe we just get used to hearing it. You hear it so many times over that, in fact, we just wash past it. But I'm telling you, there's a lot of amazing facts and detail in it. And our job is to believe the unbelievable, to make much of our Lord Jesus Christ, all right? And so uh, we're going to start in Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. It starts out with a connecting word. It says, now. And uh, it's a really important word in this chapter. Because in fact, the first 17 verses in Matthew are all about the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Why? Like, isn't that kind of boring to just kind of review who somebody's parents and grandparents and all that were? Why in the world would we go through it? Here's why. Because the point in Matthew chapter 1 is that Jesus is the answer to the promise. The point in Matthew chapter 1 is David was given a guarantee that his throne would last for eternity. There would be one coming who would be the Messiah and his name Jesus Christ and this hope in him that would come. Matthew chapter 1 is like, yeah, let me prove to you that Jesus is that answer, all right? And so he walks through 17 verses of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the proof of who he is, and the statement that he belongs. In fact, if you look at chapter 1, verse 1, it says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. Remember that title, the son of David. That means an offspring from David. Yes, he is in the lineage in some way, a guarantee that he could be rightly the one to take the throne, and then the son of Abraham. He is a Jew. He is in the blood lineage, but he is also in the Davidic king lineage. And uh, there's more of that that's proven in those 17 verses. We're not going to take the time for it. Just know this, rightfully, he is king. Everybody just say, he is king. And uh, rightfully, in the first 17 verses, he is king. Verse 18, first word, now. He's like, all right, so now that we know he's king, let's talk about how he came. Now the birth of Jesus Christ, you know, the one who is rightfully king that is so awesome, uh, it took place in this way. Uh, when his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph. His mother was Mary, and she was betrothed. And we need to understand what that word means. It's a Jewish term, the word betrothed. It, it means that there was a, a commitment made between the two of them. If you want to say it this way, there was a legal pledge between the two of them. To put it into modern terms, it's like courting on steroids, okay? And uh, for those of you who know what courting is, you know what I'm talking about. It's a style of dating where instead of just coming together and dating for sort of a, a fun time or getting to know one another, you've decided this person is someone so high in character, so quality. I can see marrying this one. This isn't just about dating. I'm committing to going towards marriage with them. And so courting has this high commitment to it. Betrothal is a commitment at even another level. 
okay? And so there's an interaction that's occurring where the husband-to-be ends up bringing forward some level of, if you want to think of it, sort of like gifts towards the parents of the woman that they want to marry, and there's an interaction and a promise, there's a guaranteeing that takes place, and now they start living life together, but still apart. They're beginning to prepare for marriage, right? That's betrothal. And so there's a long-standing commitment of time that takes place as they walk through the setting up of the home and the getting established of relationships with family and figuring out details of how things will go. And during the betrothal, there's one thing that's absolutely true. They will not be together physically, intimately. There will not be a sexual interaction during that time. This is a commitment of a love for each other and a building towards the marriage that will bring a much greater deep intimacy together. And during this time, they're preparing for it. They're in the betrothal. There should not be a physical intimacy, all right? And so I'll just state the obvious. That means there should not be any kids, right? And so think that way now. Now it's our job. If you've heard this story repeatedly, if you've been a believer for a long time or in the church a long time, if you've read the Christmas story a number of times, try to set aside what you already know is the answer. And let's walk through this experiencing it like somebody who's just heard it, like somebody who's standing next to Mary as a friend and you're hearing the story unfold. Remember... She's betrothed. There should be no kids, right? And it says, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child. All right. So now I'm going to read this again, and this time you're the friend of Mary, and the appropriate answer is something along the lines of, uh-oh. All right? So here we go. Uh, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child. We better be reading this right. See it the way they're seeing it. Experience it the way they're experiencing it. That's not supposed to be true. And you shouldn't have a kid. You're not doing this betrothal thing right, Mary. Right? And uh, there's a little bit of a problem going on. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Okay. Can you imagine that first explanation going down? Like, it says that she was found to be with child. I'm not sure exactly how that happened, right? This word found, it literally means to discover, so I'm not sure who discovered it. It doesn't say in what way this revealing came out. But somewhere along the way, somebody ended up going, Hey, Mary, is there something you need to tell me? And, uh, um, well, right? There had to be that awkward moment of, Honey, what's going on with? And do I see something beginning to show? And... We're not sure how it came out, but somehow there began to be a sharing out. And then they're like, oh, what have you done? What are you thinking? Don't you understand where we're at? And then she says, no, it's the Holy Spirit, right? And can you imagine being the dad? 
Oh, is that what you're calling him? <laughs> right? I mean, there's like no way I'm going to buy this. Right? That's not where we're at. This is ridiculous what you're saying. Remember who we're talking about now. The coming of the eternal king. And this is the culture and context in which he's entering. Yes, humble child, more than that. There's even a question of the integrity of who will be mom. There is a massive humility in his entering into this world, but there's major point, and we'll get to that in just a little bit. It's super important that it came down like this. She was found to be with child. Yes, she shared out. No, seriously, there was like this angel. He came to me. He told me what was going on, said the Holy Spirit was going to, and there was no guy. There hasn't ever been a guy. I just am pregnant. And just so we're really super clear in this room, right? Um, that's not normal, right? That doesn't come down that way. That's not typical. And when someone is with child, um, we pretty much know that there's been a, a physical intimacy that's been shared somewhere. And that that's God's typical plan. Remember our battle cry for point number one, believe the unbelievable. Embrace what God is sharing. And uh, Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together. That means they had not been physically intimate. It says very clearly in Scripture. We're not interpreting or reading between the lines. It says super clear. They had not been together, and she was found to be with child. The source from the Holy Spirit. Mary tries to share this out. How well does it go? And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and Willing to put her, willing to not, unwilling to put her to shame, uh, resolved to divorce her quietly. How did that go? Yeah, not very well, right? And uh, she's like, no, seriously, Holy Spirit. And Joseph's like, for real? That's like the best you've got? That's where you're going with this. Okay, okay, fine. He was a just man. What does that mean? Well, it means what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. And where wrong has been done, some things may need to be stood up to and you might have to deal with it. And being a just man, he's not just going to walk around sin and ignore it. He's dealing with it. And, uh, but unwilling to put her to shame. And uh, meaning he's got a love for her. He doesn't want to see the family destroyed. He doesn't want this thing torn down. He's trying to lift her up a little bit in the midst. But he's like, no way do you step on me like that. And uh, just so we're clear here, Jewish law would have allowed for a public humiliation of Mary. And even if you wanted to go to full true Old Testament law, a public stoning. Killing her outright. Taking her life. Because she had cheated on him during a very high phase of commitment. And uh, this comes out of Deuteronomy 22, verses 23 and 24, this uh, law of stoning. And he could have executed on that. He chose to um, say, no, no, I don't want the shame and I certainly don't want to bring her to death. But I am not going to have that happen to me and I am certainly not going to step in where there's sin and take a chance on whatever wrong starts bleeding onto me. He's being very real with his God here, too. 
Joseph is beginning to get a lot of fear, a fear that she might continue in this kind of ridiculous decision-making, a fear that there might be a cost to him, and he's like, I'm not dealing with it. This is the culture that our Savior entered into. There is a hot mess of struggle between a committed person and her significant other. By the way, please notice how Joseph is described, and her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling. How seriously is the betrothal taken? Well, he's called husband. That's how serious, right? This was a big deal, man. Everybody say, it's a big deal. And if it were you and me, we'd be just as emotional and we'd be just as sideways. You've got to be kidding me. And... Um, I don't think I'm really willing to be that patsy that you want me to be. And, um, yeah, I'm done with this. This whole thing is over. Joseph and Mary wrestling through it. Please notice also how real and how severe uh, the betrothal is. It says that he resolved to divorce her. So the separation of this, it's not like, and Joseph broke up with her. And uh, everybody say it doesn't say that. Oh man, it's way more serious than that. The commitment was way higher than that. And to end the betrothal is like ending the covenant at various levels. That covenant has not been fully realized because there hasn't been the physical intimacy, but there has been this massive promise undertaken before God and to end it required divorce. And divorce biblically was being moved properly because clearly she has had an affair. That's where he stands, right? And um, so the decision is made to deal with Mary. Something we need to put in context now, the typical young lady getting betrothed would have been somewhere between the ages of 13 and 15 years old. Let that settle for a moment. 13 and 15 years old, right? And so for you ladies in here who are 13 to 15 years old, imagine that moment where you're now having to talk to mom and dad and you're sharing out with them. And uh, they're like, yeah, we don't believe you. And uh, can you imagine how hard that would have been on this young woman? And can you imagine the character she had to take this stand in the midst? And uh, for those of you who are parents or brothers and sisters of those who are 13 to 15, imagine your response when your sibling is like, I'm serious, I had a dream, there was an angel, Holy Spirit, bam! <laughs> right, that's, that's where I'm at. I don't know, I'm just telling you. And, and, and your response is, right, right? I just wanted to say this one thing. This is really nothing to do with what's in the passage, but just consider this word betrothal. You and I, in many regards, right, we are called the bride of Christ, right? And so think about this for just a moment, the bride of Christ. And we're headed as a church, those who believe in Jesus and trust in him, we're headed for the marriage with Jesus Christ that will last for all eternity. There will be the marriage feast of the Lamb. There will be this massive thing coming. And in this huge celebration, there will be an undertaking of Jesus Christ as the groom taking on his bride. And right now, you and I are in the betrothal period. 
If you've trusted Christ as Savior, man, you are in a time of commitment to your king. But there is a deeper relationship coming. There is more to be had. And man, there is a huge type. The marriage type is so a type for you and me and our relationship with Jesus Christ for all of eternity. Man, if you trust him, if you believe in him, hear me, you are betrothed to him. That's where we are. And we're headed for the marriage feast of the Lamb and a wedding to be and to be the bride, which means in many regards the deepest, most unbelievable worship and relationship with him we've ever experienced in our life. And uh, and just so you know, being in that responsibility and that interaction is a huge role. And uh, just a little side moment on marriage and uh, our walk with Christ. I just thought when we see the word betrothal, it's good to talk for a moment um, theologically. And uh, yeah, there is a um, unique setting that is in place here. And uh, can I just say, this would probably not be the plan I would have had for introducing the eternal king of the universe into this physical world. I would have thought of something with a little more integrity. I would have come up with, and I would have rearranged, and, and I would have thought, you know, at least a couple of trumpet blasts. Something. We're going to get this thing, like, lifted up. We're going to make much of him. And just so you know, this is the statement of our God. I will enter this world humbly. I will enter this world humbly. I will enter this world how? Why is pride such a problem? Because it is not who our God is. And making little of himself, he enters this world as a humble child. And yes, it just is not as it appears. You know, this past week and a half or so ago, my wife and I went to uh, Culver's. And uh, we went out there for lunch. We had uh, been out doing a little bit of shopping. And uh, so we went to Culver's to just get a quick uh, bite to eat over in Peoria. And while we were out there, uh, I went and got my drink and uh, filled it up, went over, got the lid, no more straws. They were out of straws. So I was like, well, I'll at least go over, we'll get a table reserved, you know, set, set up, and then I'll go back and I can get the straws. So I go over, sit down, and, and uh, John ends up coming over. I had gotten her water as well, and so we were sitting there together, no straws. I'm like, I'm going to go get a straw, all right? So I stand up, I go back over, I'm looking to get somebody to help me out, and to be quite frank, usually at Culver's, there's always somebody there to help you, super helpful and kind, and and uh, went around, I'm, like there was nobody to ask to help. They were doing something. They had to take care of something somewhere. I don't know what was going on. I'm sure they had something big happening, but uh, I did too. There were no straws, you know? <laughs> and uh, so I'm like looking around now and I'm like, okay, I can't see any. There's none here. And, and uh, I go over on the other side. I'm like, well, maybe on the other table. I look over and sure enough, there in the corner is this uh, thing with straws in it and it's filled to the max and overflowing, right? And I'm like, awesome. Well, you know what I should do? I should just take some of these straws and put them over there so at least there's straws for everybody and they'll know they're there, right? So I grab a giant, I mean, probably 50 straws in my hand, right? Pick them up and I'm going to move them across to the other side. And I turn around, I'm doing this, and a lady has just finished filling up uh, her cup with drink and she goes over and puts the lid on and now she's looking at an empty straw container and she says these words, you got to be kidding me. Her arms went up in the air and everything. I loved it. We get, we get tense at Christmas, right? And uh, you got to be kidding me, right? And I'm, now I know that's the straw problem, right? And then she turns around 
and I'm holding 50 straw. <laughs> and I'm like, do you want a straw? She's like, uh, yes. I'm like, here you go. And I, I'm not stealing 50 straws, man. Right? And I, I don't know what she was thinking and what, what project my kid had at school and I'm not about to pay for straws so I'm stealing them from Culver's or who knows what she's thinking in her mind. You know as she walked away, unless of course she's sitting in here today and then I love you. And, uh, uh, but uh, seriously, I'm holding the 50 straws and I like now I'm putting them in and another guy comes up and I hand him one and then I take the two for us and I go over and sit down. Can I just say that it's not always like it appears? Fair? It's not always as it appears. Hear me now. So much more so when it came to Mary and Joseph and the eternal king of the universe entering into this physical world. Things were not as they appeared. Hear me. Believe the unbelievable. Our God has entered this universe and he entered in an amazing way. And we're going to see more of it in the second point. I have one simple question. Do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is God Almighty and he entered into this world as the Holy Spirit took a little one, 13 to 15 years old, working with his innocent little heart and he brought in a son, a baby, who would be, yes, God of the universe, fully God, and yes, fully man. An unbelievable answer of the word come into this physical world. Do you believe? Man, Christmas, is that, that's what it's all about. That we celebrate the unbelievable and we make much of our king. All right? Number two. Point number two. Look for prophecy to be fulfilled. Look for prophecy to be fulfilled. Man, if you're wondering what God's plan is, just know he does have a plan. He's recorded it down. Make sure you're tracking prophecy and you're knowing what God is saying is coming because he will make good on his word. Look for prophecy to be fulfilled and make much of him in the midst. Starting in verse 20, talking about Joseph here, it says, but as he considered these things... What a kind word considered is, right? Because really it probably could have said, but as he stewed on these things and lamented angrily about her unbelievable lies and horrible mistreatment of him, it could have said those kinds of words. could have said some very egregious, aggressive words. He considered what was going on. That's definitely what he was doing. Just remember, the end result as he was headed out was divorce. He was done. He had written her off, and he doesn't believe her. This considering here is fairly rough and fairly upset. And uh, he considered these things. The next word says, behold. And what does that word mean? Check it out. The word behold, whenever you see it in Scripture, it means check it out. This is an unbelievable thing too, right? The word behold, it means check it. What does it mean? It, it means check it out. And so anytime you're reading scripture and you see the word behold, man, just say it out loud right where you are. Doesn't matter if you're in a library, say it out loud, right? 
behold, check it out, right? This is going to be unbelievable. Whatever's coming, get ready. And, and uh, Joseph considering these things and behold, At least there was a little chain reaction that kind of went on. I don't know if you caught that. All right. And behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, and there's a phrase he's got. Let's just cover this first. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. See, it's so easy for us to read a Christmas story or a Bible moment and go, oh, yeah, an angel of the Lord, a dream. Really? Like that's happened a lot to you? Like this is one of those where it's so easy for you to embrace? Right, that's like last Thursday for me, right? Be careful, man, as we read through this. Let the depth and the uniqueness of the scripture rock you. Hear me. God had a plan. And God sent a messenger, an angel of the Lord, who came to Joseph to get things square. He had a dream and the angel of the Lord had a message. The angel said, Joseph. Hey, just so you know, when God's got a plan, he knows your name. He knows what's going down. He knows what you're going through. And he is right there with you. He loved him. And he was calling him out by first name. Joseph, son of David. All right, this is a big deal, man. Everybody say, this is a big deal. This is the title given to Joseph. Do you remember this, these words? We just read them at the beginning. Also the title given to Jesus Christ himself. What's the big deal? The big deal is he is in the lineage of David. The big deal is that through him can rightly come the kingship to the throne for all eternity the big deal is, yes, Joseph can have that answer. And he is bringing a legal right to the throne. It comes through the males, down from David, handed off male by male by male, down through. And it has to come through that lineage for the right to the throne. Jesus Christ, Joseph being his father, will now allow. Now remember, this isn't physical father, right? He's taking care of him. But he's adopted into that home. So he takes on the lineage of Joseph. He now has the right through fatherhood to the kingship. And if you know Luke chapter 2, there's also another lineage that's shown. And that one's a little different than this one. There's some similarity and some difference. And that's actually showing the lineage through Mary, most likely, where it's showing the bloodline lineage through Mary, that he is actually bloodline through David. That comes through Mary. And the right to the throne comes through Joseph. He says, Joseph, son of David. Just so you know, that's like saying, Joseph, rightful heir to the throne potentially. We've got to hear it that way. This is a call to kingship when that is said. Joseph, son of David, do not fear. And uh, So if any of you were wondering if all that Joseph had in his heart was anger... The scripture gives us a clarity. Oh man, he's got a ton of fear going on. Fear of what? Fear that she's going to be a ding dong again, man. Fear she's going to hurt me. Fear she's going to make me look like an idiot. Fear that maybe I hook up with her in her sin and God ends up bringing retribution into our home. Fear that God might be sideways with this. Fear, fear, fear. What in the world is going on and how 
do I respond? Joseph is steeped in fear. And the angel says, do not fear. You got to love when God's really direct, right? And he just calls out his heart right where he is. Set that down. Do not fear. Take Mary as your wife. And uh, this clear, crisp moment of message from God through the angel to Joseph. Don't worry about the divorce thing. Step forward with her and marry her. Take her as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is... Can you imagine how his heart starts beating right now? For that which conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. You've got to be kidding me. How? Right? There's got to be a million questions you'd ask. How would be a good one, right? And what, 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 what? And this is in his dream he's getting this information. And so it's shared across that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Let's rephrase that. That which is conceived in her is not from sin. Let's rephrase that. You have not been cheated against. Let's rephrase that. She is not a liar. Are you hearing it? All of it just welling up. I can't even imagine. Was this one of those moments where in your dream, you know how you start moving around in your dream and you start talking out? Like, was he saying something? Was he like, yeah! Or was he like, really? Or what was he saying? What words were coming off of his? It doesn't say. But it was being revealed out. That which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She's telling the truth, Joseph. You do not need to separate from her. Stay with her, right? Now more information. She will bear a son. And uh, see, we wait till like week 20 and we do an ultrasound. They get an angel, right? And they're like, just so you know, son, that's what we're saying. And uh, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. And just so you know, the name Jesus means Savior. Like, you will call him Savior. Why would we do that? For he will save his people from their sins. His people, those who believe in him, those who trust in him. He will save them from their sins. His name is Savior. You call him that. Can you imagine? He's running around all over the place, and Jesus is three years old and five years old and eight years old. And he's like, hey, Savior, come over here. Hey, Savior, come here. I got a question. For Every single time they called out his name, they were being reminded of the promise that was given. He is Savior of the world. That's who this one is. This child, unbelievable perfection. Savior of the world. And he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. And so some 700 years before, in fact, this prophecy was written before the time of Daniel. So for those of you who are with us in the Daniel series just prior, it's probably some 80 to 100 years before the first writings of Daniel. It's probably about 700 BC, maybe 680, somewhere in there, was Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. And it says, behold, we're not getting it yet. And it says, behold, the virgin shall conceive. Whoa. Let that settle. 
That's impossible. Not if God's involved. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And I love the parentheses here. For those who don't know, mean, know Hebrew, right? Which means God with us. Right? He gives us the little update on understanding it. Emmanuel. Im with. Anu us. El God. With us is God. That's what Emmanuel means. God with us. And uh, just so you understand, God Almighty came into this physical world. He speaks the physical into existence. Then he steps into it. He is Emmanuel, God with us. His name is Jesus, Savior. He is our hope. He is our everything. And we believe in him. And we trust in him. This time of Christmas, man, hear me. Yes, it is about loving on one another and caring for one another, but it is so much more. We believe. We believe in God Almighty who has entered into this broken physical world with a hope and a plan. We believe that he became a humble child for you and for me. We believe. And all of God's people said, huge, huge hope. All of it took place to fulfill Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And, uh, when Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took his wife. I love that moment. Notice what it doesn't say. When Joseph awoke, he fretted for several more days. It doesn't say that. When Joseph awoke, he did what he was told. He comes back to Mary. Now imagine that moment. He comes back to Mary and he's like, Mary, we need to talk. And, and, and she's probably welled up with tears at some level. Like, again, I have to get the brow beating, right? And Mary, an angel came in a dream last night. And, and, and he told me that this, this is from the Holy Spirit and, and not from cheating on me, and that I'm to marry you, and so I'm marrying you, and I will not divorce you. Can you imagine that moment? As she is finally the first person that we have recorded believing her, somebody supporting her in this very awkward situation. She's being protected and covered by Joseph, son of David. And the rightful heir to the throne now being handed off to Jesus as he takes care. Please understand this. This is super important. If he is not son of David, this story doesn't mean much. Because there is no rightful heir to the Davidic throne. And now another promise is being blown up. The promise to David. This has to be a son of David handing this off. But here's the other piece we have to grasp. This also has to be that the little child inside is not from a human physical man. Has to be that. Why? Because Romans chapter 5 super clear that the sin is passed down from Adam. It's passed down through man. Did you know that? That each of us were born into sinfulness because of our father. There is a rightful heir to sinfulness and brokenness that gets passed down to us. And if Jesus were somehow conceived with a physical man, there would have needed to be actual sin passed down as well. But hear me, when the Holy Spirit steps in and he conceives with Mary, the sin ends 
there. Jesus Christ, he is sinless. He is perfect. He is eternally God and the sin problem is broken. Holy Spirit steps in in place. Adoptive man Joseph steps in so the lineage can continue rightfully to the throne. But sin stops. Do you see that God has a plan? God has a plan, man. And the thoroughness to how he answers his promise is stunning. May we believe him and follow him with all we've got. It says, when Joseph awoke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. He stayed physically pure with her. There was no sexual interaction until after Jesus was born. Please notice the word until, right? We all know what that word means, right? Until. So that means it wasn't and then it was. Everybody gets that, right? And so there's some that want to say that Mary was never, uh, never slept with anyone, and that would not be what the word until means, right? And so just let the word speak when you walk through it and you hear somebody sharing out a theology, and we have a very clear moment here, and uh, yes, there was a living together and a sleeping together afterwards. She as his wife, and they had kids, and Jesus had brothers, and they were sinners, and he wasn't. Can you imagine that moment? <laughs> right? Can you imagine the, the why can't you be more like Jesus? <laughs> right? And uh, <laughs> let's just stop that line of thinking now. And, uh, and he called his name Jesus. And he called his name what? Jesus. And he called his name what? Which means, yeah, almost got the uptick. Which means, Jesus, Savior, that's who we're talking about. Ushered into this world with an answer to kingship, with an answer to the problem of sin passed down through man, comes from the Holy Spirit. Adopted by Joseph, son of David, eternal king, taking over kingship, humble Child, in the midst of train wreck of story, we serve the Almighty King, and His name is, which means, welcome to the Christmas story. Man, we better grasp the depth of this story, and the power of this story, and the hope of this story. God has a plan, and we celebrate Jesus Christ. There is none other like Him. He's our almighty king. And all of God's people said, Jesus Christ. He is humble child. Let's pray.